Okay, so girlies, if you're asking the guys you're dating what their um, birth time is, it has to be accurate because it needs to be within their exact two hours <laughs> to yes. get the right rising. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Vulnerable. I am your host, Chelsea Vaughn. And today we are finally doing my horoscope astrology tarot episode that I've been wanting to do that I've been talking about since I started this podcast. Um, We have as a guest, Megan Rose. She is an LA astrologer. She is an intuitive tarot card reader, a spiritual advisor, and an author. And I found her because I look on, I mean, like, I don't know, like everyone else, like when I was younger, I used to like flip to the back of magazines to look at the horoscope section. And now I kind of do that on the internet, but there's one that I really loved on Glamour and it's kind of a combination between tarot and horoscope. So it's called the Taroscopes and they come out once a month to tell you what's going to happen or what your month's going to look like. And these are my favorite ones. And Megan happened to be the author. So I reached out to her and got her on the pod. So we really talked about kind of like, I know everyone's not as into horoscopes or like might not know the research as much as I do, but we talked about romantic compatibility. We talked about your big three. We talked about your entire birth chart and we talked about the houses. I don't know if you guys know this much detail, but I feel like it would be a good idea if you even have CoStar or if you have Pattern or if you can just look it up like your birth chart and have it up while you listen to this episode. I feel like that'd be helpful for you because then you could be like, okay, mine's here and this is what happens to me. Oh, we talked about Saturn returns too because mine just ended and Megan's is just starting. So it's a very informative episode. I personally found it really interesting. I also made her give me a little tarot card reading at the end. You guys probably don't care about that, but that was just for me, so I don't care. (laughs) Um, But it was great. She was wonderful and... If anyone of you is into astrology like I am, you're going to love, love, love the episode. So here is Megan. Okay, today on the podcast, we have Megan Rose. And I, you guys know how much I love astrology, horoscopes, everything, tarot. Um, So I've been so excited to do an episode like this for so long. So Megan, welcome to Vulnerable. Hi, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for being my first, I'm sure, of many astrologists on this podcast. Um, So I kind of just wanted to start out with, since people might not know you, like where you're from, how old you are, and what your sign is. Absolutely. So my name is Megan Rose. I am a 28-year-old astrologer. I live in Los Angeles, um, and I also write the monthly tarot horoscopes for Glamour Magazine. And you're a Virgo, right? (laughs) I am a Virgo. Oh my goodness. That's like the first thing that I'm overlooking is exactly why I'm here. Yes, I am a Virgo. (laughs) Yes, we love Virgos on this podcast for sure. Um, So just kind of quickly, I kind of wanted to know how you got started in the field and kind of maybe just a little quick overview for people who may not know exactly what it is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a very traditional work path for the first, I mean, more than half of my life. I was a 4.0 student, put myself through college. I was on track um, to be essentially like a corner office CEO. I was working in private investments and had a career in finance for seven years before I just made an entire 180 shift and was like, 
I'm not happy. This is not what I want the rest of my life to look like. And if I'm already feeling burnt out at, you know, I think I was 23 when I left my last job and I was working in downtown LA. Um, And I remember getting into my car after a 10 hour shift and seeing on my GPS that it was going to take me two hours and five minutes to get home. And it was that five minutes that set it over from more than (laughs) half of a day being spent on this job that I absolutely hated. And I wrote my resignation email in the car. And for anybody that's been to LA, you know that that's, of course, still illegal, but very much plausible, (laughs) like just bumper to bumper traffic. And I typed out the most eloquent uh, email to my boss at the time. And I was like, I, I... don't want to work this job anymore. And the cutthroat nature of finance, she was like, we don't want you to come back in. Like we don't need your two weeks. Wow. So this kind of being thrown off of the deep end feeling, it was almost like I was so uncomfortable at that point in my life that doing something that was completely polar opposite to what I had been doing just felt normal. Yeah. I love that um, because I I also was like corporate office girly for a while and then completely quit, pivoted, and went to modeling. So I love to hear love stories like that when people just exit and then start doing something they love. So how did you go then into – like were you just really interested in astrology and so then you just kind of started looking into it? Yeah. So it's funny. I grew up in rural New Hampshire in a town that had less than a thousand people in it when I was growing up. And my family on both sides, my dad's side was Christian. My mom's side was Catholic. And it wasn't a normal exposed thing to believe Mm -hmm. in astrology or spirituality or anything outside of more of a traditional religious path. But my mom was always so encouraging. Just anything that I was interested in, she was like, let's go give some time to it. So I remember we would take family vacations and we would go to the boardwalks in Maine. And I would be like, all I want to do is go and get my palms read or go get my cards read or you know, go see a psychic. And she was always so encouraging of it. She'd be like, yeah, let's go do it. So this little seed got planted very early on in my life. But at the point that I was leaving my job, I had been self-studying astrology and watching religiously these tarot card readings on YouTube, which I don't know if you ever went down that rabbit hole, but I was just I like, have. yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sure <I> <laughs> most of us have. Like, it's like you look up tarot or like, what's my zodiac sign one time? And then it's like, Virgo, this is what February looks like for you every time you go on any website. So I got sucked down that rabbit hole, really resonated with this one guy and ended up reaching out to him. And I was like, is there any way that I can have a private reading? We get on the phone and do that. And he was noticing how much I was reacting to these cards before he was even telling me what the message was. And he was like, Mm. do you know how to read? And I was like, Oh, I've been watching your videos. And he was like, I would love for you to read my cards the next time we get on the phone. And it was just that like blind belief that this guy had in me, my mentor. Um, and we ended up doing this on like an every other week basis. So I was 
learning how to read tarot cards in real time from the person that I had been looking up to for years. So it was like all of these very kismet things that just kept happening or presenting themselves and funneling me even deeper into the work that I do now. Like I always talk to people too about this when I'm doing readings for them where we kind of know, right? Like when you're doing something that's out of alignment with you, you'll start to notice this kind of like what I call hiccuping. Like it just feels like everything becomes an issue on top of another issue. But when you're doing stuff that's really aligned with your path, it's almost like the universe just makes the next step available to you and makes it really easy to take that next step. So that was kind of my experience. Like I left my corporate job, walked down Ventura Boulevard, found a meditation studio, walked in. I was like, I need to work here. They were like, perfect. We have a job at the front desk making California minimum wage. And at that point I was just like, you know, that's going to put me in the environment that I need to be in. But it was just one after the other to lead me to where I'm at. Yeah, meant to be, I guess. That's so funny that like this guy that you're watching on YouTube ended up turning into your mentor. I love that. Um, And I literally read your teroscopes on Glamour every month and that's how you ended up on my podcast. So it's perfect. Um, So what's kind of like, I do a segment called What's Going Vaughn and we usually talk about celebrity pop culture. So like what's going on in the astrological world right now? Like what's happening with the planets, the transits. I know there was just a Virgo new moon. I know that something's happening with Saturn, but fill us in. (laughs) Oh yeah. So your chart is a perfect example actually of all of these transits because you have a lot of them natally or the ones that were there when you were born that are being affected by the current astrological transits. So the first one that we were talking about is Saturn transitioning out of Um, Aquarius into Pisces. So that whole generation, your um, two and a half year mark generation that was born with Saturn and Aquarius was just going through that transition. So you were having your Saturn return. So whenever we have your natal planets return in the current astrology, that's called a return. So every year on your birthday, it's a solar return. Um, and every, you know, 27 to 30 years, you're having your Saturn return. So Saturn is the planet of karma. It's the planet of dedication. It's called in astrology, like the daddy energy. So it's very (laughs) much the taskmaster. It's the rule maker. This is where we kind of get a check-in point to say, have I been utilizing all of the lessons that I've been learning? Have I been heeding the warnings that the universe has been giving me? And if not, this time, even if you feel that kind of karmic pressure cooker happening, it's not to punish you, but it's to bring you back on track with the things that you are meant to be doing in this lifetime. It's meant to bring you back into alignment with your purpose so you can move forward not only give back to yourself in the ways that you're meant to, but really to the world. So um, Aquarius is also the sign of technology, humanitarianism, and kind of global connection. So as we had this Saturn in Aquarius transit for the last two and a half years, think about what happened over the last two and a half years. 
We were all in shutdown. We were all moving our businesses over to these more tech-heavy remote experiences. Um, We were also dealing with a lot of communication on global scales, people taking action with technology and healthcare in kind of mass-produced ways. And what it did for people who had that placement natally was bring them into the spaces where they could express their thoughts and opinions on more mass scales. They could utilize technology and social media for the betterment of society. Um, It was really a powerful time, especially for people with that natal Saturn in Aquarius placement, but also anybody who had Aquarius, Scorpio, Taurus, and Leo placements, because those are all under the same modality. Those are all fixed signs. So they were having their placements in those four fixed signs affected very heavily by Saturn and Aquarius. Now we're transitioning into Saturn and Pisces. And this is actually my natal placement. So I'm curious to hear how your Saturn return was, maybe get some (laughs) insight. Um, Yeah. People with Virgo, Pisces, Gemini, and Sagittarius placements, which you actually have a lot of in your chart, um, are going to be affected over the next almost three years. Um, Because the way that the outer planets move um, will have periods of retrograde and periods of station direct movement with Saturn. Um, But ultimately, over the next two and a half, three years, uh, we're going to notice that those mutable energies, Pisces, Virgo, Gemini, and Sagittarius are really heavily affected by Saturn transitioning into Pisces. No, I just finished my Saturn return and now (laughs) I'm going to be even heavily affected by more stuff. So everyone that was born like 1994-ish to 1992-ish, you're saying just finished their Saturn return. Yeah. So the the dates are a little bit off kiltered because again, even back then, the the planet Saturn was going through retrograde and direct periods. So you'll notice that too, that um, some people that were born during that time don't have Saturn in Aquarius because of the shift. So I always recommend people either to work with a professional astrologer or to look up their chart so they're not um, just thinking that their placements are something by dates because the dates are a little bit wonky in astrology. Got it. So just for reference for you guys, the past two and a half years completely changed my life. Um, During 2020, yeah, 2020 is when I applied for The Bachelor and then 2021 is when it aired and then I went on a bunch of other shows and then social media following came and then started this podcast. So literally everything that you just said about what can happen during the Saturn return happened to me in the past two and a half years. Um, so mine went really well. I hope that, I hope that happens to you. Um, yeah. So isn't I've heard about Saturn returns that like I don't know what the cliche about them is, but like I've heard that it kind of life changing things happen during that time. Is that how do you feel about that statement? So. It- You're not wrong, but there's a lot of fear-mongering in the astrology community. And I think you notice that more now with people who are not trained and truly Mm. well-versed with astrology, but are maybe good at pattern recognition, right? So people who are like, you know, beauty gurus and they're like, 
this is what product you should be using for your sign, but they don't have a backing in astrology. There's nothing wrong with creating content like that, but I do want people to err on the edge of caution when they're giving fear-based information to people based on their zodiac signs or their astrological placements or their natal chart. So Saturn returns. Yes, they create a lot of change. But again, we kind of come back to that understanding of Saturn's energy of being the planet of karma. And a lot of people think of karma as really negatively charged, like, oh, you're going to get your karma. But for people who have been treating each other kindly and treating each other the way that that other person wants and, you know, giving time to the ways that they authentically are and showing up authentically, they're not going to be hit with the same gavel of people who have been out of alignment, been treating people poorly, been doing things that they thought that they could get away with. Um, and it's not to say that if you have a bad Saturn return that you are inherently a bad person or you've been doing bad things. But it's kind of like my old job in finance or your old corporate job. Those jobs are not issues. And I'm so happy that we both opened up those placements for people whose dream would to be in be to in <laughs> people who have the dream to be in the positions that we were in. Yeah. But yeah, for sure those were not the jobs for us. So Mm -hmm. I always say when you take action like that and you leave the relationships, the jobs, the towns, the friend circles that are not in alignment with you, this time of having a Saturn return isn't going to be as destructive and detrimental because you're already taking that action day by day. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up too because I feel like with just astrology and horoscopes in general, there is so much misinformation, miscommunication, and misunderstanding. So like, what are some of the biggest myths that maybe you could clear up for people that like, or what would you say to to people that are just like, oh, all of that is bullshit. I don't believe in it. (laughs) First off, if you are a believer, my first point of advice is don't waste your time getting other people to believe. Don't Mm. waste your time trying to convince other people that the things that you believe in are the things that other people should believe in. When we do that, we're stepping away from oneness. Like I love the fact that we live on this planet and everybody's allowed to have different thoughts and opinions. Obviously, hate-filled thoughts and divisive thoughts are not the type of thoughts and beliefs that I want to encourage people on, but astrology as a concept, like let that be your own spiritual practice. Let that be a beautiful thing that you get to use as a vehicle to bring you closer to your spirit and yourself and your higher self. Um, But as far as astrology goes, don't be afraid of Mercury retrograde. Um, that's a huge one that I like to share with people. Um, you don't have to fear the retrograde periods. I think, you know, as an astrologer, retrogrades just allow for all of these reconcepts to come up. So like reflecting, reassessing, recalibrating, 
it's a time for you to sit in the things that have happened so you can come into a deeper understanding of where you want them to go going forward. So Mm. when we put fear on retrogrades, and especially when Mercury retrogrades happen three to four times a year, I'm like, why are we going to cause this unnecessary this unnecessary suffering for ourselves when this happens so frequently. Yeah, people literally panic. It's like Mercury's in retrograde. Everything's going wrong. And like people use it as an excuse too, which I think is kind of funny. But like, oh, this happened because Mercury's in retrograde. And then I'm like, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if we're using and it's like, I know. And for you and I, like, we're both Virgos, so we're ruled by Mercury. So we're heavily affected by Mercury's transits and Gemini's are also ruled by Mercury. So anybody who has Virgo and Gemini placements, you're going to feel anytime that Mercury shifts into a new sign, goes retrograde. And again, the possibility of having one of 12 signs in your chart or planetary placements in your chart is inevitable. And we all have all 12 of the signs just based on the zodiac wheel being present. So even if you don't have planets there, you're going to feel it. But you don't have to be afraid of transits is mainly what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people that don't believe are just like, you can't tell me my personality traits based on my birthday, whatever. But I want to emphasize the importance of looking at an entire chart and looking at all of the planets. So like, let's talk about the big three, because I think a lot of people are just like, oh, what's your sign? Oh, it's Virgo. And that's just your sun sign. So can you tell us about like sun, moon and rising and what they mean and why they're important? Absolutely. So in astrology, you have a big six, which is actually your sun, moon, rising, and then Mars, Mercury, and Venus. So those planets are personal planets for you or personal points because your rising sign is actually a planetary point and not a planet. Um, But your sun, moon, and rising allow you to understand, you know, the sun rules the ego. It's the outward expression of self. So that may be how other people perceive you or how you perceive your trek through the world, but your moon sign talks all about your emotions, your subconscious, what makes you feel safe in this lifetime. So if somebody not only knows, but really takes the time to understand your moon placement, there's a high likelihood that you feel very safe and deeply understood by that person. So, you know, when people are looking at your natal chart, Chelsea, you have a Leo moon but you also have a Leo rising. So that's why, you know, I'm sure you can understand that it can feel very frustrating being in this tiny box of being a Virgo. You're like, I'm not like a 12th of the population. Right. (laughs) If anything, you embody more of that Leo energy, that bold, loud, confident, um, you know, self-fulfilled experience in this lifetime and you will actually help more people by putting yourself first. Because when we look at the rising sign, the rising gives us deep understanding of what somebody's purpose is and how they want to navigate through the rest of the world. Your rising sign is, like I mentioned, it's a planetary point. It's where the 
horizon was rising at the time that you were born, and it actually changes every two hours. So the likelihood of your rising sign being in a certain sign is the most rare of your chart. So it's oftentimes the most um, accurate or depictive placement that somebody has in their big three of their personality. I'm not sure if you've done this or like met somebody and then looked at their chart, but I find more oftentimes than not that I'm guessing somebody's rising sign. They're like, oh no, I'm not a Pisces. And then I'm like, oh, can I read your chart? And they're like, you know, whatever sun sign. And then of course they see that they're a Pisces rising. And it's like, that's the energy that people see first off before they get to know any other part of you. Yeah. Okay. So girlies, if you're asking the guys you're dating what their um, birth time is, it has to be accurate because it needs to be within their exact two hours <laughs> to yes. get the right rising. Um, I've heard that your rising sign, like as you age, your rising sign becomes more maybe prominent or important. Is that true? Absolutely. When we think even about the psychological progression of human beings, when we're born, we relate heavily to our ego, right? It's all about feed me, change me, hold me. It's all about me, me, me. These are my needs. So the sun being the ruler of the ego, of course, that's going to be really prevalent when you're younger. But that rising sign, again, uh, it's almost like learning how to do archery and your precision over time becomes so much more on point because of the practice, because of your ability to hone in and get more dead on with who you are and how you want to walk through the world over time. Got it. That's so interesting. Um, So you were talking about the moon sign ruling our emotions. So do you think that it's more important for romantic compatibility if someone's compatible with your moon sign versus your sun sign? Personally, yes. Um, Anytime that I've done synastry charts or compatibility charts for couples, and I see that there is really challenging aspects between the partners and their moon signs. Um, So like, let's say partner A has Pluto, Chiron, or Saturn in the same sign as that person's moon. That can typically talk about a level of difficulty because those are harsh planets, we can also talk about harsh aspects to that planet. So um, having things in opposition or squaring partner A or B's moon, um, because again, that talks about feeling safe in someone's presence. So you could have opposite moons. So an example, you know, your moon is Leo. If you were dating Mm -hmm. an Aquarius moon, that might be that opposites attract, there's a lot of sexual chemistry or, you know, this desire to be in each other's presence because there's tension. But longevity, it can prove to be difficult because the desire, you know, for Leo to be tended to and is so deeply sensitive underneath that loud roar. And then Aquarius being slightly emotionally detached. It's an air sign. They're both fixed signs. So they both want to believe that they're correct um, and being correct makes them feel safe. 
that can prove difficult in long-term relationships because we're seeing two people that may be unwilling um, to adapt and change to make sure that the other partner is feeling safe. So I always like to tell people when you're looking at romantic compatibility that yes, you're spot on, Chelsea. The sun sign means a little bit and we can't disregard it. But that moon sign means a lot with romantic compatibility as well as, you know, Venus aspects, Mars aspects, even having moon and rising aspects between the couples. There's a lot more than the sun that will let you know if you're compatible. Yeah. So if I was like were to Google, who is Leo most compatible with? Whatever came up would be the my partner's compatibility should be <laughs> for my moon. <laughs> it's like getting so complex now. Yeah. But like, well, it wouldn't be the same as me. Like if I, cause I used to just be like, oh, who is Virgo most compatible with? And that might not necessarily resonate with me. Oh yeah. Like I, as a Virgo son with no other planets in Virgo, I used to date Capricorn men and think like, I'm I'm done. This is going to be like the love of my life and my sugar daddy. And it would just turn into absolute chaos because it's playing really poorly with my moon sign. It's playing really poorly with my Venus sign. And, you know, it just allows you to, to open up to more. So I guess what I would say for people is look at your moon, look at your rising, look at your Venus, look at your Mars. And then when you're opening up with other people's charts, look at those placements as well and kind of how they mismatch and connect with one another. And you can also go into the house systems if you have birth times, because if you have a rising sign, it dictates all of the other houses in your house system. So the fourth house of home and family, the fifth house of romantic relationships, the seventh house of long-term relationships. Those are really powerful Mm -hmm. places to look and see if your partner's planets fall into those houses and vice versa. Got it. Yeah, I think my Venus is in Virgo also. Um, I'm like, let me look. It is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know how that changes things, but I know Venus is the the love planet. Um, Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and I'll ask you about – well, we'll do a special edition of Tell It Like It Is. (laughs) Okay, I want to kind of get into romance a little bit more because I know that's what a lot of people are very interested in. So can we talk about compatibility as far as elements go? Because if you guys don't know, there's four elements, water, fire, earth, and what am I forgetting? Air. Air. Yeah. Air. Um, So can you tell us about compatibility with that at all? Yeah, absolutely. So between the four elements, there is a deep understanding between the signs that share the same element. So kind of like we were talking about earlier, Virgo is an earth sign and it's also in that same earth element with Capricorn and Taurus. So these signs may find that there's this level of speaking the same language or coming from the same soul cloth as one another because they have similar foundational experiences. They want a sense of stability. They want a sense of groundedness. They want to build a lifelong and generational kind of name for themselves and their family or their loved ones. 
And then we get into these other elements who also really understand themselves. So water signs are going to be Cancer, Pisces, and Scorpio. And as much as they show up differently um, and they have their own personality traits, their own desires, something that is very similar between all of them is this desire to go deep with the people that they love. The one caveat with that is that they need to feel a sense of trust and emotional intimacy from the people that they're connecting with. So it may not be as flippant or easy to get them to open up as it might be for an air sign. And air signs are all about communication. They like to be the life of the party. They like to connect with as many people as they can. Um, But that can sometimes take them away from quality or depth within the relationships that they have. It's not to say that that's a bad thing, but their main focus in this lifetime is mental stimulation and an allowance of their ideas to flow and be able to share ideologies with as many people as they can. And then we get into fire signs. And that element is really focused on spirit. So things that light their soul on fire, things that set their heart ablaze, right? Like there's a reason for these play on words that really fit with the elements. So that is going to be Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. And again, we know that these signs show up differently, but when they get together, it's almost like they're fanning each other's flames. They allow each other to feel confident and alive and vibrant. They typically enjoy fast-paced conversations and movement. So you'll see a lot of them traveling or prioritizing travel in this lifetime if anybody has um, fire placements in their chart. So how that boils down to compatibility, these signs all get along with their same elemental shared signs, but there's also compatible elements. So earth and water are compatible with one another. And then fire and air are typically compatible with one another because they play into each other's elemental desires, like watering a plant or again, Mm. fanning someone's flames. So we're seeing how they allow each other to grow and connect and feel more like themselves, more confident, more loved, more understood when they are either with their own element or they're with their compatible element. Yeah. I love the way that you put that too. Um, It was nice to just like paint a vivid picture. (laughs) Um, Do you think that there's a difference between romantic and friendship compatibility as far as signs go? Because like, I feel like I get along with a lot of Virgos and earth signs. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I just feel comfortable around them. Like you kind of just said, but if I were to date a Taurus or a Capricorn, I don't know if that would work out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there is definitely a differentiation between friendship compatibility and love compatibility. And some things that you can look into in that regards, again, is the house system. So mm. the third house talks about social groups, but the 11th house does as well. So when we look at the house system more than just the planets and the signs, that allows us to understand where somebody's, you know, moon might fall in your third house. And that just makes you feel like this is a friend that I want to have around me because they make me feel like I can unwind. 
I can go over and be in my pajamas with, you know, no makeup on, nothing's done in my life. My life might even be falling apart, but we can still have fun with each other. We can still connect. We can make each other feel optimistic about the future ahead. Whereas you might want to build a home and a family with somebody whose Venus falls into your fourth house of home and family. So the house system is really going to dictate whether somebody's presence feels like a friend or like a lover for you. Um, But, you know, Chelsea, looking at your chart, when you have Venus, the planet of love, beauty, connection, and also Jupiter, which is expansion and growth, both in Virgo as well as your sun, that's where we're seeing, you know, you connecting and creating long-term connections with people who allow you to become your most vibrant self. So even if your sun sign was different, those two signs to me would cue into you connecting with Virgos. But kind of have the trifecta with the sun, the Venus and Jupiter all in that same sign. Yeah. Lots of Virgo in me, lots of Virgo and lots of Leo. <laughs> um, I, one more question about like things that I've seen on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that there's a body part associated with each sign. Mm-hmm. How I think Virgo is like stomach or something, or maybe of course. like, <laughs> yeah. But like, how is that how is that's one thing where I'm kind of like, how can you just say that a body part is related to astrology? So, so can you kind of explain that a little? Yeah, absolutely. Anatomical astrology is a ancient practice that was used mm-hmm. when astrology was first becoming understood by astrologers and researchers way back, like 14th century back. And it's not to say like I, I would actually love to hear more of this from you, like how you're interpreting that. Because to me, this is just an association with a sign to a body part. And again, everybody has all 12 signs. They may just not oh, have okay. a planet in that sign. So um, like Aries being the head, um, Taurus being the throat, Virgo, like you said, being the stomach, Scorpio is the genitals, Pisces is feet. Like we're seeing maybe association with what those body parts might mean to a a planetary element or a, a sign's personality trait. So, yeah, like when people say, Virgos are perfectionists and they're worrisome, but they're also also really health conscious. And the stomach is that kind of space where we get to ingest everything. So you think about how a Virgo shows up. Like when we sit in communication with other people, we're just listening. We're healing people with our presence. And it's like, when I think about a body part that does that too, it's the stomach. Like it's like, give me all of what you have, give me everything and let me turn it into nutrients for the rest of the body. Like that to me Mm -hmm. feels very Virgo. Yeah. I just think it's funny when it's like, they say Scorpios are like really good in bed and like their body part is the genitals. Like (laughs) (laughs) 
don't yeah. believe everything you read on the internet, guys. I was just um, going to say, I'm like, <laughs> I, I had my phase with Scorpios and some are and some aren't. Don't go off the of sun signs. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so for Chell It Like It Is today, we're not going to do advice. I'm actually going to use it selfishly for Megan to give me a little mini tarot reading. So I've given her all of my info, my chart. She's got my my birth time, everything. Um, but that's not related to tarot, right? You're just going to – are you, you going to pull cards? Yeah, so I actually okay, have um, a new deck called The Trickster's Journey by a Singaporean artist called uh, named Jia Sung. And it has quickly become one of my favorite decks. Um, So I'm very, very curious to kind of see what's coming out. Can I ask you, because tarot and astrology are sister sciences, like they use elements, they use astrological association, um, but tarot is slightly different. So as we make this pivot... Um, I know we went over some of the things in your chart, but is there anything going on in your life that you want us to focus on? Anything that you need clarity or do you just want the cards to speak? Hmm. I mean, I always love to hear about like romantic relationships. Perfect. So like if you see anything for career also, let me know. Love it. I mean, they're both related to the heart chakra. So we'll just kind of see what your guides have to say to open that space up, bring more abundance in love and career. Let's see what's going on. So Chelsea, I'm just going to have you close your eyes and take three deep breaths in and out. As I take a moment to call forth my spirit guides and Chelsea spirit guides of the purest and highest intention today. What information do we have for love? and career if you have it. Okay. All right, my love. So we have the moon, which is associated with Cancer and Pisces energy, which is actually beautiful because we just had Saturn transition into Pisces, which talks to me about things are already happening currently. Um, We have the seven of coins, earth sign energy. So your Virgo energy is here, but that talks about investing and long-term longevity. Um, We have the four of wands, fire sign energy, Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. And we have the 10 of swords, air sign, energy, Gemini, Libra, or Aquarius. Immediately, the message of taking further action to close off your past is coming up. So you releasing phone numbers, social media connection, if you're like sending Snapchats back and forth, if there's any sort of connection going back with somebody that you have from your past, understand that the visual that I'm getting from your guides is almost like the right person trying to step onto the bus and the bus is full. So they have to get mm-hmm. off and wait for the next bus to come. You taking time now to cleanse yourself from the connections that you've had and also the idea of yourself when you were in your last relationship or last handful of relationships is going to be really important for you because there's this feeling of like you looking at yourself like 
the version of you before you came into your own. And that has to go. It doesn't matter who is receptive. I'm almost getting this feeling of like less people being receptive and even like thirsty towards you than they were in a previous chapter of your life when you were more out of alignment. And what that's showing me is like moths are drawn to a flame. And if you don't protect that flame, all of the moths will come. But you're in this state of protection. Like, can I confirm to you, you feel like you're taking better care of yourself now than you ever have or were taking care of? I feel like I'm on my way to trying to do that. Like I feel like once I get over this, (laughs) I feel like once I get over this last bit of this hurdle, like I feel like I can see the other side Mm -hmm. and then I will, and then I will be in that place. I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. Okay. Cause there's this, like the imagery that your guides are showing me is like, you used to get a lot of attention, but it wasn't the right attention. And now mm. as you get attention, they they want you to understand that it's not the quantity, it's the quality. And giving yeah. yourself the space to be treated as and viewed as the magnanimous being that you are becoming requires you to say no to anything else. So mm. heightening your discernment, using your best judgment and not being afraid of with kindness and grace saying, I love that you're doing X, Y, and Z, but I don't think we're looking for the same thing. Like there's no need to keep beating dead horses. And I know like animal advocates are not going to like that, but it's just a play on words. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah, like just let yourself let go as early on as you can because what your guides are checking for now is that you don't feel like you need to keep things going just for the sake of having the attention, having the company, having somebody be an awareness of you because your awareness especially with the moon and the seven of pentacles coming up. When we tie this to your career, it's almost like you're investing long-term in the things that are going to allow you to leave a legacy behind. So you don't need to keep the old projects, the old ventures, the old versions of you alive because they are going to become drops in the bucket to all that you do as your life, your career, your legacy continue forward. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I just like forgot I was in this room for a second on a podcast. Like, <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm going to have to like, I need to listen to this back and really take it in. But I love that. And I appreciate you doing that for me. Um, is there anything else that is on your heart, on your chest, on in the cards, like anything else you want to say? I always ask my guests um, if there's anything they want to be vulnerable about. So mm. anything you want to be vulnerable about today? So I don't have any planetary placements in Leo. So it's very hard for me to gas myself up and celebrate myself. <laughs> like I love to do that for everybody else. Um, but I'm actually in the process now of 
releasing a self-guided journal that gives people the same sense of enlightenment and alignment that my sessions do. So I will be releasing that um, in the upcoming months. So I hope everybody can keep a lookout for that. Um, yeah, I'm just excited. I, I think yeah. if anything, I want to be vulnerable about celebrating myself and connecting and opening up my heart to connect with other people that make me feel confident and celebrated too. That's really the chapter of my life that I'm in right now. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, hopefully your Saturn return <laughs> goes really well. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for all of your new projects and ventures. Tell everyone, please, where they can find you on social media or anywhere else. Yes. So on all social channels, my handle is the underscore Megan Rose. My website is themeganrose.com. Um, and I would love to connect with you. Amazing. Oh, wait, one more question. Yes. <laughs> how do you feel about like CoStar and the pattern? Like, how do you feel about those apps? <laughs> um, my tried and true is time passages. Huh. I'm not in the space to celebrate any other apps at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I've heard everything that you needed to say in that sentence. That's so Listen, funny. If if they are looking for an astrological consultant that can let them know what the people are saying and yeah. they're willing to implement that information, please reach out to me and just let you guys know where you can find me. Yes, and you guys can also check on Glamour. That's where I found her every month with her taroscopes. Thank you so, so much, Megan. It was amazing having you here. This was the best. Um and for everyone else, you guys can find me at Chelsea Vaughn on Instagram, at Chelsea Vaughn underscore on TikTok, and you can watch us at Vulnerable Pod on YouTube. But thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.